the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Staggerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. Just as I suspected. Yeah, I've been wondering for a long time, and I've said it here, how any man can vote for a Democrat, you know, with the... Uh, the transgender insanity and men being allowed to compete against women in sports and all that idiotic stuff and, and just the usual bleeding heart, overly emotional approach to politics that the people running the party have been known for. <clears throat> and then I see this news today and I wonder even more. Ahem. According to a poll conducted by WPAI Intelligence, uh, whatever that is, but it's a poll. From August 22nd to the 25th, one in four Democrats agreed with the following statement. Are you ready? Some men can get pregnant. Here are some other numbers. White college-educated Democratic women were in at 36% who uh, agree with that. College-educated, I said, 36%. Uh, a few normal people outside the Democrat Party think that men can get pregnant, but one in five Democrats think that they can. Now, that explains a lot about the Democrats' enthusiasm for transgender stupidity, including Joe Biden, who uh, he's been all in on it since the 2020 campaign. And that's why every single Democrat who's interviewed by the media, as I've been saying here, should be asked the simple question, can a man get pregnant? They have to be asked. They have to be on record for it and make them squirm and then watch them get attacked by half of their constituents if they say no to the question, answer no to the question. Now, I've never heard Joe Biden ask that question directly, by the way. It would be nice if his communications department intern, uh, somebody could uh, ask that question at one of her embarrassing briefings. It would be fun to see her dance around that. She wouldn't have any trouble answering yes for herself, but she's cause she's that dumb. But uh, she'd have a tough time answering for the big guy. And I don't care what the big guy says. There is no way on this earth that he thinks a man can get pregnant. But he's now in a position where he has to say he does, I think. Or he alienates one-fourth of his voters. I want to see the President of the United States uh, and for posterity, for the history of the United States, to look into the camera when asked if a man can get pregnant and say yes. That's I just want to see it. Uh, it has to happen. So uh, it would be uh, she. It, it's just he. I don't care what he ends up saying. There is no way on this earth that he thinks a man can get pregnant. But he's now in a position where he has to say he does, or he alienates one fourth of his voters. So that's where we are in America now. We're two months away from an election, and twenty five percent of the people in one of the major parties believes that men can have babies. That's right. Men, a man can give birth to a human. Okay? And here's another question for Corrine Jean-Pierre. Do the men's rooms in the White House have tampon dispensers? Seems like a dumb question, but if she answers no, she should be pressed on it and asked why not. It's now a serious issue in the campaign. Not the tampons thing, the men getting pregnant thing. Let's see if the media do their job and let the voters know where every Democrat stands. And that would include, by the way, John Fetterman, if he ever allows to have a microphone, allows a microphone to be put in front of his face. Anyway, when we come back, divisive is a key word in this campaign, and nothing is more divisive than the 1619 Project. And we're going to talk to the author of a book called Debunking the 1619 Project. Stick around. The 
upcoming midterms may be the most important election in the history of our country. The battle lines are drawn. The war for America's soul is on the line. Now is your chance to help freedom win. Join Salem Media Group and this station for the Battleground Talkers Tour coming in October. The best minds in conservative media and thought will dissect the coming election. Learn who's on the right side. Join us for a vigorous discussion about the issues that are so crucial to you, your family and community, the economy and inflation, the border crisis, our civil rights under attack, higher taxes, and the effects the Biden administration is having on this country. The Battleground Talkers Tour will be something you never forget and could make the difference in this coming election. Join us. Wired Differently presents Gallagher, Hewitt, Prager, and Tatum. The Battleground Talkers Tour. Thursday, October 20th at the Doubletree by Hilton and Greentree. Tickets at TheAnswerPTH.com. Sponsored in part by Hagerman Law. Dennis Prager here to share a product that can help keep everyone more healthy. Cofix RX. Most of us know that viruses of all types are a part of life. What we don't always know are the right products that could be protecting us. So I'd like to tell you about Cofix RX and its doctor-approved secret ingredient. As a safety measure, many doctors and nurses have been using iodine to swab their noses for decades. Iodine has been in use since 1811, and 96% of us are iodine deficient. Using Cofix RX antiviral nasal spray with povidone iodine is a smart way to stay healthy. Cofix RX is made right here in the USA. It's simple to use. You spray it up your nose and the iodine destroys germs and pathogens where they multiply in the nasal cavity. Check out CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use the coupon code Prager for 20% off at CofixRx.com. We've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. This is John Stagerwald. The Percale and Giza Dream bedsheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're all on sale for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code. Order now because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream Sheets are breathable and they have a cold, crisp feel. These come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-716-8087. Use the promo code STAG or go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square and use promo code STAG. This offer will not last long so order now with promo code stag at mypillow.com for this radio exclusive offer on all bed sheets for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com my brother-in-law died suddenly and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home that's why i told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer an agent offered us a 10-year five hundred thousand dollar policy for nearly fifty dollars a month then we called select quote SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call SelectQuote at 1-800-690-4040. That's 1-800-690-4040. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1-800-690-4040. That's 1-800-690-4040. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, divisive uh, may be the key word in the 2022 election. Both sides are accusing the other of dividing the country. And apparently the big guy's plan is to unite us by calling people who disagree with him uh, domestic terrorists. Um, Something called the 1619 Project has been around for a while now. Very few things are more divisive than that, and it's in our schools. Uh, And Mary Graybar has written a book called Debunking the 1619 Project, Exposing the Plan to Divide America, and she joins us now. Thanks for being here again, Mary. appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me. So you have a piece up at The Federalist today with uh, more evidence that the author, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, makes stuff up, don't you? Yes, uh, she is deliberately lying. I caught her in three lies that I discuss in that article. 
Um, yeah, could you? He, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, um, in one, um, you know, she, you know, she blocked me on Twitter, as she does uh-huh. most people who question uh, her wisdom and her highness. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and, and one of the things I pointed out, you know, because um, the 1619 Project just stereotypes people by race. All white people are villains. And I pointed out the inconvenient fact that, you know, there were some um, black slave owners. Uh, and I detail that in debunking the 1619 Project. And she just didn't want to hear that. Um, and she blocked me, but I, you know, was able to uh, see her tweets. And uh, th- then I noticed that uh, to another respondent who, you know, said the same thing, she said, well, imagine uh, using a thousand year old history to explain a hundred and fifty year old history, which uh, implies that she knows about this long history of slavery uh, that had been going on uh, since time immemorial and that had been going on in Africa, and that the people who sold the Europeans the slaves were the Africans themselves, um, and they had captured them in raids. Um, So, you know, that was something that uh, she revealed. And then most recently, um, there was the incident with the historian, um, you know, Professor Sweet, uh, the president of the American Historical Association, who was mobbed on Twitter uh, for gently criticizing the 1619 Project. And he also... Um, mentioned a forthcoming movie called The Woman Warrior, which presents um, this idea that the female warriors of the Kingdom of Dahomey on the west coast of Africa uh, fought the Europeans um, (laughs) to stop the slave trade. Well, actually, they were the ones who made raids on villages in order to capture fellow Africans to sell to the Europeans, and Nicole Hannah-Jones on Twitter admitted it, and she said, well, how are, how are they going to reconcile this? Um, <laughs> so uh, the other thing that she had mentioned in a Los Angeles Times interview was that her favorite novel um, was The Known World, which also happens to be one of my favorite novels, and it's about a uh, family, a black slave-owning family in Antebellum, Virginia. So she knows that there were black slave owners. She knows that it was the Africans who captured and sold um, the slaves to the Europeans. Um, And she knows that slavery has been going on for thousands of years, but she does not say that in the 1619 Project. Yeah, and um, I, I want to get to the, the story about the, the movie that's coming out, and it's going to be uh, the um, the Woman King. Uh, I'll get to more <laughs> on that in a minute because it's it's a, the story about that, that Woman King is unbelievable. What actually happened and what is going to be in the movie, which is typical of you know what happens with uh, stuff that's done in Hollywood. Um, it's interesting to me. Maybe I'm just uh, maybe this is oversimplifying it, or maybe I'm just dumb, but. What I don't understand, uh, I don't think it said enough about the 1619 Project, and I haven't, I wouldn't, I haven't read it. You've had to because you wrote a book about it. But um, yes, <laughs> if and I've, you know, I've read enough about it. I know what I know what's going on there. But um, if they, it's it's called the 1619 Project, and then that is used to uh, portray the United States as a bad uh, country that was founded on on um, slavery. But it just seems like a simple thing to me. I, I'm pretty sure, and as she said, the 150-year history in the quote that you talked about, I'm pretty sure 1619 was like 400 years ago. Um, <laughs> and And the United States uh, was not around in 1619. So uh, why, why would this United States... Why, why could? How can you tie the two together anyway? Because whoever was in charge in 1619 was overthrown by the country that now exists. So you can you can make some judgments on you know what what happened between 1789 and or 1776 if you want to go there and uh, and today or and 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 uh, 1960 you know with the segregation and everything. But um, 
it, there, I don't. I don't understand how anybody can try to make a tie in between what happened in sixteen nineteen and what and in the United States. They're, they aren't the same people. We overthrew well, those people. Well, yeah, of course. Um, but uh, you know, in the year sixteen nineteen, what happened um, besides you know the House of Burgesses being established and representative government that you know sort of paved the way for our form of government. Um, you know, with the arrival of 20 Africans yeah. on a privateering ship, we don't, right. uh, historians don't know exactly what their status was. There was no legal um, criterion uh, for enslavement. Um, there were indentured servants, um, you know, who lived, uh, you know, horrible lives. A lot of them didn't survive their five or seven year indentures, you know, working in the tobacco fields. And they were white, yeah. they were Europeans. Um, so, uh, you know, they speculate that these Africans could have also been um, indentures. Uh, we do know that among the first arrivals, uh, there was an African man who uh, Anthony Johnson, I discussed him in debunking the 1619 Project, uh, who had a uh, another black man enslaved and the enslaved black man said you know hey my i'm indentured my term is up i'm free and uh anthony johnson said oh no and took him to court and won so that was actually the first legal case establishing slavery here in the colonies so uh, it was a black man owning another black man exactly exactly uh you will not see that in the 1619 project it's not taught in the lessons in classrooms that are made from the 1619 project. Um, things like that are overlooked. Now, of course, um, you, know, you know, the founders, many of the founders did own slaves. Slavery was uh, practiced around the world in 1776. And as I point out, what we need is context. Uh, in 1776, the common a lot or the common status uh, was either servitude or enslavement. Most of the world's population was not free in the way we think of freedom today, you know, where right. you go out, you have your job, you have your own money, you have your own home. Um, that was not the situation. Um, so, you know, the 1619 Project basically presents this country is having invented slavery, where the reality is that we led the way to abolishing slavery. Yeah, it's, a sm- it's just a minor detail, Mary. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, um, uh, what is what is presentism, and that that seems like it's uh, um, uh, it should be a major sin when it comes to being a historian. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, we academics, we, we really don't like to have anything to do with worldly things. We like to sit in the ivory tower, and that's because uh, we are pursuing truth. And that's what history has been, to kind of uncover um, the past and to reveal it to people, to try to understand the past. The historian is not concerned with the present day. Criticism uh, in history means that you are concerned with what's going on today. And I discuss Howard Zinn, who had written an essay in 1967. You know, Zinn is the radical communist people's history of the United States, um, dedicated to Herbert Marcuse. And he said that historians um, should come out of their ivory towers and they should be marching with the marchers and uh, they should be writing history that promotes social justice or in the terms that he used back then. So, um, you know, when you do that, then, you know, there are some inconvenient facts like you know, the 1619 Project really uh, is intended to make the case for reparations. So when you have an inconvenient fact like, um, you know, black slave ownership or Africans profiting from the slave trade, uh, that kind of gets in the way of, you know, the argument for reparations. So there's presentism there. So when you look at history, 
uh, or you study the humanities, you study it for itself, not for, uh, you know, uh, using it for um, some kind of a political agenda today. And when you do that, you necessarily leave out the whole truth. Yeah. And, and, and so you and you you judge the 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 people back then based on 2022 values and knowledge and everything that goes with being alive today compared to being alive in 1619 or 1776 or whatever um yes exactly as you, as you point out the 1619 projects the project only works doesn't it if you buy the premise that all white people are to blame for slavery and all black people are innocent victims. That doesn't work unless you accept that from the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it has these horrible passages about, you know, how white people burned and bombed and uh, hanged and uh, tortured and, you know, slashed black people. And it's all these sweeping charges. It's literally in black and white. And, um, you know, human beings just aren't that way. And what I tried to do in debunking the 1619 Project is bring some perspective. Um, You know, even um, in the South, there were people who were opposed to slavery. Only 6% of whites in the South were slave owners. Um, There, you know, there were so many people who did not like slavery, um, who, you know, may not have been the radicals, but they were not supporters of slavery. They did not own slaves. Um, And uh, to, you know, paint all white people as, you know, sort of glorifying in slavery is just absolutely wrong. Now, um, I want to get to The Woman King before we run out of time here. This is a movie that's coming out um, soon, and the story that will be shown in the movie, from what I understand, is that this is a woman who uh, belonged to a, a group in Africa. Uh, they were they were women who fought. Mil- it was a women's military group, and mm-hmm. it will be pre- it will be it will be presented as she liberated the Africans from the evil white um, Europeans who came there to take them away and take them into slavery and that's exactly the opposite of what she did correct yes absolutely and so i include in my book um a a book by zora neale hurston uh she interviewed zora neale hurston was of course um, a luminary of the harlem renaissance an anthropologist and a writer and in 1927 1928 she interviewed the last survivor of uh, this uh, slave ship that came here in 1860, came to Alabama. His name was Kudjo Kudjo Lewis, and uh, he described how as a 19-year-old, he was, uh, his village was raided by these female warriors, and he, um, you know, it was very traumatic for him even to remember that and to tell the story about how these female uh, warriors raided uh, their village at the begin, you know, in the early morning hours. How he saw his family members' heads on sticks rotting. Um, how he was marched with others to the barracoons uh, th- over three days. You know, they were, uh, you know, strung together with forked sticks. You know what you see, the coffles. Um, it was very traumatic, and it was female warriors who did that. And that's exactly what this movie, The Woman Warrior, uh, The Woman King, I think it is, uh, yeah, is uh, about. Yeah, it's yeah. about. Yeah. But, so it's, but it's going to be portrayed as her being a he, uh, the hero, the heroine, and uh, she fought against the Europeans, and what she was actually doing was rounding up her fellow black uh uh, not citizens, but people who lived over there, and uh, selling them to the white Europeans. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, uh, the movie Roots that had that, uh, right. you know, that, that, you know, was propagandistic and um, in the late 70s. Right. So, um, hey, yeah, yeah. 
Hey, Mary, I'm out of time. Uh, the book is uh, Debunking the 1619 Project, Explo- Exposing the Plan to Divide America. Is it out right now? Yes, it's out in paperback, actually. And um, I have a, there's new material there. There uh, is a 35-page appendix in where uh, I address the claims of scholarliness in the 1619 Project hardcover book, because the hardcover, which is over 500 pages, came out in November, and so that was supposed to answer all the critics with a thousand okay. footnotes, and I show it's not true. Very good, Mary. I'm sure we'll have you on again. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's Mary Graybar. The book is Debunking the 1619 Project, Exposing the Plan to Divide America. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Russian President Vladimir Putin and Chinese President Xi Jinping are to meet in Uzbekistan next week. Correspondent Charles de Ledesma with that report. Although a summit could see another step in warming ties between two powers that are increasingly facing off against the West, the meeting at the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, a political, economic and security forum that China and Russia dominate, comes at a delicate time for both leaders. Putin's dealing with the economic and political fallout of his war in Ukraine that's left Russia isolated. She, meanwhile, is facing a slowing economy as he seeks a third five-year term as Communist Party leader. While he's expected to secure it, that would represent a break with precedent. I'm Charles Diladesma. And on Wall Street, all three major indexes sharply higher. This is SRN News. Attention, this is a special alert for all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an overpriced auto warranty or no warranty coverage at all. Due to the increase of new and used car prices, repaired costs, and the price of gas, people are keeping their cars longer than ever, which is why CarShield is announcing a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on covered auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can save thousands for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. You could save thousands on future auto repairs. Our specialists are standing by for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-279-7495. Vehicle protection plan pricing is at an all-time low. Plus, drivers who purchase this coverage today will receive rental car options, free roadside assistance, and free towing. Call 800-279-7495 now for your free quick quote. That's 800-279-7495. What do you have to lose? Call 800-279-7495. Again, 800-279-7495. Mike Gallagher wants us to prepare. We have a battle ahead of us. We have turmoil in America. We've got to be ready to fight. Not physically, But at the ballot box, with ideas, with logic, with wisdom, with clarity. I know this. The Mike Gallagher Show. Weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The answer. My dog was scratching and shedding like crazy around the house. When I heard about Dynavite Nutritional Supplement, I thought, why not? Couldn't hurt. We literally tried everything else. Our dog quickly took to it. And after a couple of weeks of adding Dynavite to his food, we noticed a big difference. Our little gizmo's coat was shinier, and he almost completely stopped shedding and itching. I can't wait to see how well it helps him with his allergies as the seasons change and he's in the yard more. I'm so glad I tried Dynavite. My dog smelled so bad and scratched herself constantly. We bathed, sprayed, and bathed her again, but no results. Then I heard about Dynavite supplements for gut health, and all of the reviews sounded just like my Bella. After just two weeks, she had major improvements with the smell, and no more scratching or dragging her stomach across the carpet. And her coat is more beautiful than ever. Happier, healthier with every bite. Over a million pets helped with Dynavite. Whose rulebook do you want to play by, the government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rulebook and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. 
stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Dealing with a couple of accidents, one on southbound 79, just past 65. Also an accident inbound Parkway East, blocking the right lane as you approach Boulevard of the Allies. Delays start around Bates Street. On the inbound side as well, it's busy from 2nd down to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Parkway West heavy inbound Carnegie to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Heavy volume on outbound 51, Colerain Street to Library Road. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. We'll see partly cloudy skies for tonight. Expect areas of late night fog and a low of 61. Tomorrow, intervals of clouds and sunshine with a shower in places. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 77. A moonlit sky tomorrow night with areas of late night fog and a low of 60. Friday, we'll see areas of morning fog, otherwise partly sunny skies and a high of 81. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I, uh, it's my first show I've done since last uh, Thursday when we were out at Pit Cycles where I had a, a good time and I was happy to have them. Uh, I was glad to have them invite us out there. I hope you've stopped out and checked them out. Um, but uh, so it was that night that I went home and watched uh, the Pitt West Virginia football game, and uh, that's what I wanted to talk about here for a second. Uh, there's no better example of stupidity than what happened here last Thursday. Um, Pitt and West Virginia played. Um, I think it. I think it ended up being the third largest crowd to see a sporting event in Pittsburgh ever. Over seventy thousand people there place was insane uh, people were filing on i when i was coming in to the station at three o'clock in the afternoon that day the parkway was jammed so people were already headed into the game four hours beforehand uh, the city was jumping uh people were crawling all over uh Akershire stadium or whatever i forget the name of it now Akershire stadium um and it was an unbelievable scene Ended up being a great game. Too many penalties, too many replays. Took too long to play, but that's that's college football these days. Um, but it was a great, just an absolutely tremendous um, scenario, scene down there. And that's my point, that the stupidity that 11 years went by without that happening. These are two schools that are 75 miles apart. Uh, they've been playing each other since 1895. People go crazy for the game. Uh, it's usually a pretty competitive game. Uh, the series is, is uh, not as competitive as some others, but it's uh, it's very competitive. Uh, you know, when you look at over 125 years of it, um, and uh, they they go 11 years without playing, and and they're going to play again next year, and I think. The year after that, and then they don't—they don't know when they're going to play again. This just shows you how stupid. This is what I mean by the stupidity. The game being played was great; it was tremendous that they actually had a game again. But the idea that people running two institutions of higher learning—and I realize it's not just them; it's the NCAA, it's how screwed up college football is now, and all that stuff. But you can. There's nothing you can say that can justify what happened Thursday not happening for 11 years, either here in Pittsburgh or in Morgantown. 75 miles apart, been playing each other for 125 years, and they go 11 years and they can't figure out who to, how to uh, play each other. Now, of course, during that time, Pitt has played Albany. Uh, they've played Old Dominion. They've played New Hampshire. I could rattle off some other schools I can't think off the top of my head, but uh, there's a bunch of you know you know you know the the drill, Ohio University and Akron, and you know they're able to figure out way to play them, and West Virginia does the same thing. They're playing cupcakes too instead of playing Pitt. How the the college football has become so ridiculous and has been ruined to the point that. It's not automatic that Pitt plays West Virginia every year in football, and the same thing should happen with Penn State, but even more so with West Virginia. Uh, the Pitt-Penn State games in the past have had um, maybe uh, when you go back to the 80s and the 70s, 
there was more at stake in the games. There were bigger. There they were bigger games as far as being on the national stage. But um, the seventy-five mile difference, uh, just up and down, you know, up and down Route seventy-nine. It's um, it, it's it's uh, that's actually the ge- geography is it makes it actually uh, in some ways a better rivalry than Penn State, and it could be made into a better rivalry because. Penn State's not going to want to come down here. They they could they could put uh, eleven tackling dummies out on the field up at State College, and a hundred thousand people would show up just as long as they get the tailgate. So that, that doesn't matter up there. But <clears throat> Pitt needs something like West Virginia. Obviously, they they don't have the the um, the the universe to draw from that Penn State has, and that West Virginia has for that matter. West Virginia has the whole state. Pitt has Pittsburgh, Western PA. That's it. That's who goes to Pitt games. So I just I just needed to say that it, it the it was so glaring what was missing for eleven years and that just figure it out NCAA Pitt West Virginia just figure it out play each other in football and and then and if, and if you're not going to don't sit around wondering why you only get thirty seven thousand or twenty eight thousand for North Carolina State. You know, nobody cares. I mean, people care, but it's not. That, 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 there's nothing in the ACC that is ever going to be as intense and as interesting as uh, as West Virginia for Pitt football fans. So figure it out. So and in this, so this is what this is what it's come to though. So West Virginia shows up here, and the, the two quarterbacks who played in the game were both transfers. They both they they they, they were uh, West Virginia's quarterback Daniels. Was for, uh, came from Georgia and pitch quarterback was at I believe it was USC last year. Um, that's how football has changed. So what they need to do uh, with college football is take the college out of it because college has nothing to do with it. Nothing. It's football. It's not college football. It has nothing to do whatsoever with college anymore. Nobody. None of these. I shouldn't say nobody, but none of the. Uh, Big-time players, the big recruits, the kids who end up at Alabama and Clemson and even even at uh, Pitt and West Virginia, but much more so for, obviously, Alabama and Clemson. That, that does, what they're going to major in, academics has nothing, nothing to do with where they end up going to play football. They all think they're going to the NFL. Very few of them do, even from Alabama. And... Um, it's just it's it's a it's a sham, you know. It'll, next year it'll be fifty years that Pitt had their uh, their famous nineteen sixty three team. I was a kid, and they they went nine and one, and uh, they ended up not getting a bowl game because of the Kennedy assassination. It's a long story, but the point is, and I, I wish I had the um, I wish I had the 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 actual numbers in front of me, but that Pitt team that went nine and one. There were multiple lawyers. There were a few doctors. There were dentists on that team, uh, and they were a good team. They were they were ranked in the top three or four in the country. They were nine and one, and uh, they had they were college kids. They were college students playing football, and um, I don't know that you'd find too many doctors or dentists on the pit team right now. I just or. Or Alabama. How many doctors do you think are playing at Alabama? Future doctors or dentists? You can still see uh, lots of uh, dentist office around uh, Western PA. Not as many as you used to, but there are still some out there uh, of names you remember from playing football for Pitt on Saturdays. So that's. But those guys are old now. Not old, old, but they're not young, and they're, it's just not happening anymore. So just cut out the BS. And and uh, it's not college football anymore. Call it something else. I don't even know why it's it, it's tied to college anymore. The football. Why anybody thinks it, it is like it's rah rah rah. You know, for old alma mater and all that. Um, USC and UCLA moved to the Big Ten. So you have a conference now where you have Southern Cal and UCLA playing in the Big Ten. Rutgers is in the Big Ten. That's West Virginia and California. Same conference. Geography used to matter, and that's what that's what 
one of the things that made college football great is when Ohio State played Michigan and Pitt played Penn State and and uh, Oklahoma played Oklahoma State or Oklahoma played Texas. Those were it was geography. Uh, USC is going to go to Rutgers to play football now. Who's going to get excited for that? Um, and I don't even I've, I've lost count <laughs> how many teams there are in the Big Ten. And it, I know it's not ten. It was up to twelve. I don't know if it's fourteen now. I don't care if it's twenty-seven. It does. I, it's just. It's all stupid to me now. But um, that's that's what the Big Ten looks like now. All the tradition of going back a hundred years, and now you're going to have USC playing Rutgers and expecting people to feel the same way about it. It's just. It's just dumb. Anyway, I wanted to talk about that because the I thought it was such a great thing to see the game. It was great to be able to come home and watch the game on national TV and uh, see a really good college football game, but the stupidity just just was overwhelming to me. I'll be right back. Carjackings, murder, armed robbery, violent crime is spiking, and John Fetterman said the most critical thing he could do is to let convicted criminals out of jail. As chairman of the Board of Pardons, Fetterman led the charge to put more felons back on our streets. Just listen to Fetterman. I have made getting them out of prison like the most, you know critical thing I'll I'll ever do. And there isn't anything that I won't do within the limits of of the law in my office to make sure that they are free. Far left John Fetterman bragged that getting convicted criminals out of prison is the most critical thing he'll ever do. Fetterman's also trying to end life sentences for felony murder. He's working to let the worst violent thugs out of prison. Far left Fetterman is dangerously liberal on crime and too far left for Pennsylvania. Senate Leadership Fund paid for and is responsible for the content of this advertising, not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee, www.senateleadershipfund.org. International travel is open again. So now is the perfect time for that trip to Israel, the trip of a lifetime. A trip to the Holy Land will bring you face-to-face with one of the most fascinating countries on earth. More than just a vacation, this meaningful trip is your opportunity to enjoy the freedom to travel again. Walking the ancient streets of Jerusalem where Jesus walked, sailing the Sea of Galilee, and floating in the mineral-rich Dead Sea with its healing and rejuvenating power. Sebastian Gorka and Dinesh D'Souza, along with our trusted travel partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours, personally invite you to experience Israel with them this November. To book your trip to Israel, Log on to StandWithIsraelTour.com. That's StandWithIsraelTour.com. Then call 855-565-5519 to secure your spot. Call today, 855-565-5519. Inflation is soaring. Prices are going up everywhere except Legacy Box. That's right. When our number people wanted us to raise prices, we said, heck no, that's un-American. When times get tough, Legacy Box stands strong. Introducing the Legacy Box Inflation Busters Sale. Not $15 a tape, not $12, 9 Yes, just $9 a videotape. We're in a race to save your family's recorded past from the risk of fires, natural disasters, and the decay of time. Don't let this summer's heat age your videotapes, film reels, and fade your photos. Legacy Box saves your memories by professionally converting all your analog formats to digital on thumb drive or the cloud. And it's all done here in the USA. Legacy Box is simple and safe with over a million satisfied customers. For a limited time, you can get started for just $9 a tape. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get our $9 sale. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get our $9 offer. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman. Are you longing to find your soulmate, but you're tired of online dating, singles ministries, blind dates, or even being set up on bad dates by well-meaning family and friends? If none of that's worked for you and you have no idea how to meet marriage-minded men or even truly Christian men who will seek you out for a lasting committed relationship without the head games, then I invite you to join me in my free Married in 12 Months Challenge. Look, there's nothing good or sacred or even noble about sitting in the waiting room. So in this challenge, I'm going to teach you why now is your time to find love. What are the lies that are holding you back? Why God wants you married? the biblical law of attraction, and the tools you need to become a bride. 
Don't wait any longer. Just sign up for my free Married in 12 Months Challenge today at lovestories.com and you can step into the love story that God has already written about you. That's lovestories.com. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Might be time for uh, John Fetterman to quit. Um, They're now, uh, even at CNN, Chris Klizza. Uh, is now um, asking questions about John's health and whether he's uh, able to be a senator. This is what he writes. John Fetterman's Senate campaign said recently uh, said recently that the Pennsylvania Democrats' recovery from a stroke earlier this year complicates his ability to participate in a debate with Republican uh, Mehmet Oz, we were working to figure out what a fair debate would look like with the lingering impacts of the auditory process in mind, Fetterman campaign strategist Rebecca Katz told the Washington Post. To be absolutely clear, the occasional issues he is having with auditory processing have no bearing on his ability to do the job as senator. John is healthy and fully capable of showing up and doing the work. Well, no, he's not, because he's not showing up and he's not doing the work. What what kind of a stupid, moronic statement is that? I don't think that uh, oh, I don't. What do I know? But I I don't think I just. How does this guy gonna gonna do that? How's he gonna get away with it? Pretty soon, as we're in that period now where people are starting to pay attention, and they're saying, "Wait a minute, what about this guy? Now he had a stroke. I heard that, but he can't he can't speak. He can't he can't uh, conduct an interview with somebody. He's not capable of doing a debate. Um, how's he gonna be a senator? People are going to be asking that, and um, they're already asking it now. And if they're and if they're starting to ask it at ES, uh, I'm sorry, not ESPN, CNN, uh, he's got he's got big problems. And of course, he's also uh, Oz is also running the ad. You, you maybe you heard it just a minute ago here, where his priority when he his number one priority when he took over as lieutenant governor is to get rotten people out of jail. That's a, that's his that'll really fire up the masses. Uh, we got to get more felons on the street, um, and let's let's not let them stay in jail too long. Here's the thing: if you got people, if you got somebody who murdered someone, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm crazy, but I think you err on the side of him being in jail too long, not getting out early. Okay, so uh, this is what this guy's out there selling. Who's buying this? The Democrats are buying it because he's a Democrat, and that they could it doesn't matter what he says. They're going to vote for him, a certain number of them. Uh, anyway, that's I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Fetterman is going to um, – Fetterman is he, – he's just not going to be able to get away with this. At some point, he's either got to come out and appear in public or quit, one or the other. I, I don't, I don't, there's no way he can do this for another month and get us into October, you know, a month before the election, and he hasn't spoken to anybody yet. It can't happen. Meanwhile, speaking of idiots, um, there's uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Sandy Cortez, uh, most overrated person in the history of politics. She's on the cover of GQ today, okay? It's a glamorous picture, and uh, she looks pretty good, you know, and uh, she looks fine, I guess. But uh, she's on GQ, and somebody, uh, this is from... uh, Newsbusters pointed this out. Uh, believe me, I don't read GQ, but this is how I found out about it. Um, Wesley Lowry is the person who wrote it, and uh, it's a 6,800-word six, uh, story with, as I said, a glamour shot on the cover. And this is what – this is – first of all, he's, he's, saying, he's saying that uh, Alexandria, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the future – of the Democrat Party. This is what, again, you got John Fetterman running for, for a Senate, and they're saying that this idiot, Ocasio-Cortez, is um, <laughs> is is the, the future of the Democrat Party. So uh, this is this is where the country's headed. People like this are going to be in charge. So this is what Lowry uh, considered the possibility of a, of a president uh, AOC, but. Uh, is skept- AOC is skeptical. Listen to this quote from uh, Alexandria. My experience here has given me a front row seat to how deeply and unconsciously, as well as consciously, 
So many people in this country hate women. This is what she's gotten from being in Congress for a couple of years. Americans hate women. This is the future of the Democrat Party. That's what she, this is what she said. And they, have, they, and they hate women of color. Of course, you had to get that in there. People ask me questions about the future, and realistically, I can't even tell you if I'm going to be alive in September. This is what this woman who, this, she's, a, she's uh, what is she, 30 years old, 32 years old, whatever it is. She's a 32-year-old woman, and she, she thinks that Americans hate women. So many people just hate women, uh, especially women of color, you know, like Oprah who's a billionaire and had the most popular show in the history of television, the most popular daytime talk show in the history of television. And uh, Michelle Obama, I think, is the most admired woman in America right now. I may be wrong about that. Pretty sure she's a woman, and she's also a woman of color. So uh, that's, that's that's what we have going on in the Democrat Party. John Fetterman can't face a camera. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez thinks she might be dead in September because people hate women so much. This is who's, this is a, These are the mainstream people who are running for mainstream offices in, in the United States of America. And then this writer, this Lowry character, says uh, he's lamenting that she would face the same system of separation of powers that every other president has operated under. He's upset. I think it's a he. Wesley, I, I'm going to go with a he. Uh, he says, quote, even where she theoretically, were she theoretically to become president, then what? She'd face a system from the Senate to the Supreme Court, both empowered and inclined to thwart her most sweeping ambitions. This moron writes a story for a, what used to be a respectable magazine called uh, uh, Gentleman's Quarterly, GQ, and he's lamenting the fact that this person that he thinks should be president who who shouldn't shouldn't be allowed anywhere near the white house but he wants her to be president he's lamenting the fact that if she becomes pregnant pregnant sorry about that president that she should have no uh no problem having to deal with this pesky senate and you know u.s house of representatives just not only make her president but make her dictator there you go aoc and john fetterman Two peas in a pod. Unbelievable what's going on in America today. And uh, I will uh, talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Fan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.